It's the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast with your host, Jill Riley. On this podcast, Jill explores what faith can look like after trauma. Hi, I'm Jill Riley. I am an author and a minister. I am also a trauma survivor and live with complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a dissociative disorder. My prayer is that post-traumatic faith will bring you hope and joy in your own journey. Welcome to Post-Traumatic Faith. Today, my special guest is none other than the voice of post-traumatic faith, Kyle Riley, (laughs) my husband of how many years? 27 and a half. Well, over a half now. We're going to be 28 in July. We're going to be 28 years. We're almost a full-grown adult now. Well, yeah, and then some. And then some. Well, I asked Kyle to join me today uh, to talk about mental health, and I thought it would be interesting, potentially interesting, if we talked about my mental health. And this is a conversation we've never quite had in this format, so I thought it would be best if we had it on microphone with an audience, right? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Yeah. So, Kyle, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are and who our children are and well if i go off my uh, social media bio i am the uh, husband oh no i think i have christ follower husband of e jill riley father of father slash in-law of four slash two because four kids two in plus two plus two, two to be two to be this right. this summer grandpa of one uh headset wearer and then I have pilot, play-by-play, PMP. PMP is project management professional because I found that over the years I have worn a headset in most of my jobs, whether it's for a phone or for a radio or something. And then uh, I'm a Montana native and a Mariners and Vikings fan. A diehard Mariners and Vikings fan. Yes. Well, I usually tell the guys on the flight deck that I'm a lifelong Viking sufferer because that seems apropos to their uh, playoff utility over the last well, 48 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this year, year, maybe 2022 will be their year for the Super Bowl. Uh, what, not 2021? You're going to go with, with the Seahawks defeating them? Oh. I suppose the season, but. The season, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm on the baseball anyway, so go Mariners. (laughs) All right, go Mariners. So uh, just to give a little background, uh, five and a half years ago, I was uh, admitted to a psych and trauma hospital for mental illness, and it was kind of a crazy time. Well, not kind of. It was a really crazy time in our life. Not only were we pastoring a church, and I was working for a consulting company. Kyle was broadcasting for the Billings Mustangs and working for Charter Communications. Charter Communications. I couldn't remember if Bresnan or Optimum or Charter. And we had three teenagers at home and one in the armed services. And it was it was pretty crazy time. Our marriage was in trouble and we had a lot of drama happening. Is that how you remember it? There was a lot of drama happening. Yeah. I, I mean, anytime you have a family of 
you know, four kids and both spouses working, um, it's going to be some chaos. And then you throw in the amount of hours that both spouses are working because as you and I both know, full-time ministry is more than 40 hours. Right. Even though, you know, and then those two summers, you know, so in a three month period of the two summers, I did radio for the Mustangs and still working full-time at charter. I figured I averaged 90 to hundred hours a week for those three month periods, which is a ton. It's and too much as it turns out. And uh, so, yeah, that just added to all sorts of um, complexity of what ended up transpiring. Right. Right. So I'll spare you the gory details, but the end result was that I ended up in Arizona at a psych and trauma hospital, neither Kyle or I knowing how uh, some traumatic events that had happened at the church and uh, the pressures of relationship and life had affected me, but they had all kind of culminated in uh, a really bad mental breakdown, essentially. And so I ended up for almost three months in a psych hospital. I think I hold one of the records for the longest stay at this particular facility. So everybody's got to have a claim to fame, and I guess that's mine. Now, is that... I mean, did anybody say that you've been there longer? That's what I don't Yes, they did. They did? They did, in fact. <laughs> I wonder if they have like a wall of fame or something. I don't know. Maybe I should have a bench dedicated in my honor or something. There you go. But um, the final diagnosis uh, of my time there after running some full diagnostic tests and everything was that I have complex PTSD, a major depressive disorder, uh, anxiety disorder, and a dissociative disorder. And all of this was really overwhelming to me, not knowing essentially what any of those words meant, but also understanding that it would create a lifetime of necessary care and potentially medical intervention and um, pharmaceutical intervention. And it was all pretty overwhelming. But I wanted to ask Kyle from a spouse's perspective, just kind of his reflections on that time and on um, just kind of his initial reactions to hearing diagnosis and, and what that meant to him. Man, um, well, you know, as you had recounted previously with other guests and so forth, you know, you had gone down expecting to be in a five-day workshop, you know, and then you get to day three and I get the call from a third party that they've decided that you need to go inpatient. And at the initial discussion along those lines was they thought it would be six weeks. And so, you know, in the midst of everything's going on in our life, um, as you mentioned, our oldest was already in the Air Force, but the other three are at home, and um, I've got things that I'm trying to finish up work-wise, and suddenly thinking, okay, uh, we went from five days, you know, six days away to now six weeks, and, you know, what does that look like? And 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 then not knowing, you know, what all was going on as far as, you know, what they, why they said that you needed to go inpatient other than. Right. We didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. So it just really was overwhelming in a, in a hurry. I mean, the only other thing I can kind of think of 
it being like in our lifetime of experiences the day that Brittany was diagnosed with cancer, you know, in a matter of, well, you could say in a matter of a minute, we went thinking originally was an ear infection to cancer. You know, when Kelker walked into the room at St. B's and so bluntly said who he was and, well, I think, looked at the slides, I think it's cancer, you're going to have to go to Denver or Salt Lake tomorrow. And it's like, wow, wait a minute. So, so it was it was that kind of, over, excuse me, that kind of overwhelm. Yeah, it, I mean, it really was. Um, and you know, your mind goes so many different directions for, you know, your spouse, you know, let's see, this is 15. So at that point in time, we've been married 22 plus years, you know, we started dating fall of 92. So we've been together 23 years plus. And, you know, I, I, I knew some of your, you know, childhood history and the abuse that had gone on, you know, with, with your mother and so forth, but I didn't know all of the details of the other abuse involved. And of course you have repressed things for so long that you, you know, I didn't up know. Until the, right. You didn't know. So for that to come about, you know, and I remember thinking as we got into the first week or so and trying to explain, you know, with the kids, why you would have to be away now for, you know, six weeks and um, how, you know, childhood, trauma was coming to a forefront because you right. had, you had pretty much kept that information fairly limited as far as what the you what you had told the kids that it happened with, you know, right. with your adopted mom and so forth so trying to figure out how to navigate to explain all that in this midst and you know it just yeah, it was really overwhelming yeah so obviously being the primary parent left at home with um, kids' schedules and music and sports and activities and youth group and everything is was a lot plus work. But um, once we once you learned about the diagnosis, um, which I know was kind of um, kind of slow trickling. Um, of finding out what all the diagnosis was, what was your, what were your thoughts then? Um, well, I mean, the depression, I mean, I, we know that you have bad battle with depression and bouts of depression for 10 plus years at that point right. already. And so, you know, that was um, kind of had an understanding, although, you know, I think when you mentioned dysthymia and that you know there's a separate type of depression <laughs> it's like i have two wow. kinds yeah um so th that you I mean you kind of have an a vague idea and then you know the, the whole discussion of complex ptsd completely makes sense when you think about you know ptsd normally is something that you know somebody goes through one traumatic experience and right. they don't feel like they were able to get out of it so that's what triggers the ptsd well for you it was over a period of years it wasn't a one-time event so understanding that oh well that makes complete sense that you would have complex ptsd because you went through a horrendous number of events throughout most of your childhood right you know and um and then I remember um, when I was down for family week, um, the end of October, and, you know, you and I, we were, you were kind of showing me, you know, what they had listed as far as for diagnoses and so forth. And 
uh, I remember seeing something about dissociative identity disorder, but that was something that we hadn't really talked about much then. And really seemed like that kind of was put to the backside as far as any discussion between you and I about it for a while. So we ended up, you know, that was kind of something farther down the road. And it's like, okay, well, what is this? And, you know, how does that play into, you know, what you're dealing with? So. Right. Right. I, did you, did you ever in your mind think that I was dealing with an anxiety disorder? Um, you know, I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. Right. <laughs> um, there would obviously be time. Everybody gets anxious about things at various times. And again, with the amount of things that we had going on and you're trying to pastor a church and do some consulting, you know, third party wise and manage the kids, you know, on the times when I'm, you know, two summers that just so much going on that you're trying to balance. And then I'd come home and try and help out wherever I can and then be gone. And um, so there were obviously times where it felt like your anxiety was higher than normal, but then to, to understand in relation to what childhood abuse survivors go through and why, you know, an anxiety level would be, would be permanently, you know, higher than normal because of what you had to deal with it it, it made again made sense kind of after finding out about it but i guess i wouldn't have i wouldn't have said oh yeah she's got an anxiety disorder right i i feel like uh for myself i was severely undereducated as far as mental health i felt like i felt like i was open to talking about other people's mental health and advocating for help for people, but I, I was not educated as far as terminology or anything. So um, just even the terminology was overwhelming to me. Did you, did you find that? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting. You always think about, you know, the discussion that's going on with mental health, especially in the, in society over the last number of years and how we need to be, bring it more to the forefront. It, it wasn't something that you and I were, you know, raised about, Hey, mental health is important. In addition to your physical health or spiritual health. It, I mean, it's kind of assumed, but there wasn't really a focus on it. And so yeah, to hear all of this, you know, well, looking back to your childhood, not just yours to mine, you know, when during family, we were talking about, well, look at your family history and where do you fall into your you know, family tree and what kind of a personality are you depending on your birth order and what happened in your family, you know, so you're trying to process all this and then try and make sense of, okay, well, what do you do with this information and, and where can I go to find out more information? I think that was one of the big things for me. I mean, they had, did you start looking up information um, pretty, pretty soon after? Yeah. You know me, I have a tendency to want to find out more about things. So I, um, you know, through a combination of searching through, you know, searching out topics on the internet to, um, you know, they had provided some books for us initially to read through and then, as you came back and you know we're working with um with you know your therapist and you know with your psychiatrist and us working through with our our counselor and my individual counselor just finding books to try and help to understand you know more about 
the diagnoses and and being a spouse and a, a caregiver of somebody who's who's dealing with it. Do you recall a resource that was maybe particularly helpful of any of the books that you've read? I think, at least initially, um, especially with trying to understand more about complex PTSD, um, uh, the body keeps the score and waking the tiger, you know, by right. Bessel and, and Levine, uh, Peter Levine, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, just very eye opening to, you know, realizing that, okay, this, you know, it, it's, it, well, first of all, it makes me step back and say, wow, God has designed our bodies in such a way that in order to deal with these horrendous experiences, you, a, a person is able to do these things, you know, physically and mentally to survive. Um, right. And then realizing that again, in those situations where one doesn't feel like they can escape from that trauma, that trauma until it is allowed to be worked out and processed, the body actually physically, mentally, you know, spiritually holds on to that. And, and so you know, there comes a point where, yeah, the tiger is going to be woken up because it needs to be dealt with. And, um, yeah, that's what we ended up seeing coming to the apex. So. Right. So I'm curious, um, what you think, do you feel like, um, now knowing that I have mental illness, that I'm mentally ill, do you feel like our household runs itself any differently or holds itself more carefully than other households? I know that's kind of a hard question because there's no average household, but yeah, I mean, the perspective that we have now, um, knowing what you're dealing with and what we're dealing with, you know, together as a couple, it, it helps. And I, I, I would like to think that it has, you know, through that understanding and through my finding out more about, you know, uh, the diagnoses and, you know, how, how can I help as a spouse and a friend? And, you know, I, I would like to think that it gives me a different perspective on things and allows me to handle things differently than I may have before we found out the details. Right. Right. Well, I think there's, um, there's a lot we wish we would have known. Um, like Absolutely. you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. but what do you wish you would have known? Yeah. I think one of the things that kind of played into this and, and in, um, as this all came about, you know, we, you and I, we had been in counseling for, well, about a year at that point, you know, and when this all came to, um, ahead and, you know, our church leadership came in and so graciously said, Hey, you know, I think maybe Jill should go to a workshop to maybe kind of help understand some of the things that are going on. And, you know, they were helping, me to find resources. I, they actually also provided some resources on books and stuff to say, Hey, you know, read through this. But, um, that family week when I was down there and not only realizing the childhood trauma 
from the physical and sexual abuse and mental abuse, but also realizing that from someone being, you know, separated at birth from their birth parents in an orphanage, the, the issues of abandonment and attachment that are there, right. um, that if I would have had an understanding of how deeply that was, that is rooted in every one of us, but especially in your situation. And I, I mean, I know you felt abandoned by me for the, the amount of hours that I worked the two summers that I did with doing baseball and, and working still my day job. And had I realized how that would have triggered the abandonment and attachment issues that you had, I, I mean, there's no way I would have made the same choices that I did because that's the last thing that I would want to do. Right. So and I think that's one of the big things that in hindsight is like, man, yeah, I would have made different choices if I would have had that understanding. And it's not like I was able to articulate that <laughs> in that terminology or um, in that way. Right. Right. And, and again, I, perspective is so fascinating and, and not just in the standpoint of, uh, of mental health issues, but just in the lives of two people. I mean, growing up, you grow up in different families, different environments, you're going to have different perspectives because of your, you know, your experiences. But to have the perspective, like, you know, I remember there's been times over the years where you had told me that you felt like you were alone and that you felt like everyone would leave, you know, or especially as we got into, you know, the, the summer of 15, you know, you was like, well, why would you want to leave? And that, because of my perspective, I, I, I wasn't really understanding. You were trying to process and tell me, Hey, you know, I feel so overwhelmingly alone. And, and, you know, I, in in the understanding of all this now post it, it yeah wow it makes sense and i wish i would have been able to better understand that to where uh, you know one of the things and, it, and i think spouses do this all the time we want to please our sp other spouse we want to you know to fix things when you know the other's feeling bad and, you know, whether it's emotionally or, or physically um and to know that i, I can't fix emotional pain it, it took a while to come to that realization that i have to give you the space to deal with you know the pain that you have and work through it and, and then as much as i want to be able to help i i can't heal it i can't i can't as a spouse how frustrating is that that I, I mean i guess let me preface it with this i feel like i'm kind of on a solo journey you know with my therapist and you know my own learning and my own um growing and as time kind of heals some things um it it feels like a solo journey and so how frustrating is that to you that you're kind of in some ways not on that same journey with me and, and how can you help and be a support? How frustrating is that? It, it was really frustrating early on. Um, and, and it is still at times, but then I realized that um, it, there's a part of that, that journey you have to make on your own. You know, it's something I can't make with you. And, you know, I want to, be there to walk 
beside you in it and, you know, to give you space to work through it and have you know that I want to know more and I'm curious. Um, and, you know, when you feel like you're at a place where you can share things with me and that I want to be open and ready to listen, but then, you know, there's realize that, you know, there's things that you don't need to share with me and I, I, I need to, again, leave space for that and understand that, that, you know, I, I'm not a part of aspects of, of the story and, um, and yeah, just trying to deal with that frustration and understand you can't go through things for your spouse that they need to work through on their own. Right. What things, maybe not specifically more globally, what kinds of things do you, are you still curious about? Do you still want to know and discover? In regards to mental illness and, and maybe me personally. And yeah. Um, Well, you know, one of the things that I thought was um, interesting, the book that you shared with me, is it the sum of my parts? Mm -hmm. Uh, There was another lady that was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, and she kind of tells her story and, and, you know, explains from her standpoint of how she has come to understand what DID is and how she deals with it and so forth. Um, that was really helpful and interesting. And then to realize, obviously, that you're not going to have the same experiences that she does or you know, how right. that plays out. But um, I think it, it continues to be a, you know, wanting to learn more so that I can be the support that you need to continue to heal. And then also, you know, for us to continue to heal that, you know, there you know, are hurts in, in a loving relationship that, you know, it, normal spouse, I don't think there's <laughs> normal couples, everybody's unique. So, it, it, but everybody's going to go through ups and downs and pains and hurts and, and joys throughout a, a you know, relationship. And then to throw illness on top of it, whether it's a long physical illness or a long mental illness, uh, you know, you've got to be able to, to work through that and look for healing with each other as a couple. And yeah. Um, yeah, it just, it takes, it takes time. I remember saying, you know, I had, I had a couple of close friends early on, you know, I, I through that first year, especially, you know, that I was able to talk to. Um, and the one thing that kept coming to mind with me, you know, and taking a look at, well, what does this look like long-term and what does this mean for you and for me and for us as a, you know, as a couple and, a, and our family? It took us 40, let's see, 15, it took us 43 years to come to this point individually uh, as as humans and you know as a couple it took us 23 years to come to the point where everything suddenly was like wow it, what's happening it's going to take more than six weeks nine weeks three months one year three years five years to be able to work through you know everything that's come about and, 
And so, so it's going to take another 43 years. Do we have another 43 <laughs> years in us? Well, yes, we have another 43 years in us. And I know it's not going to take another 43 years to heal, but I just understanding that it's going to take more than just a short period of time to find healing and resolution and wholeness. I mean, that, that is the goal. Do you find it overwhelming that, uh, my illness will take a lifetime of care and consistency as far as uh, mental health support and, and all of that. Is that overwhelming to you? I'd like to think it isn't. Um, you know, there might've been fleeting thoughts of that early on. I remember one point when you came home, it was probably six months after you came home um actually yeah i'm pretty sure it was we had we had left we had a chance to see a baptism of a friend who had been uh you know a congregant in our in our church and stuff and on the car ride after that you were basically saying well you know what if this doesn't change what if this looks like this for the rest of our lives you know what what does that mean? And, you know, for me, you know, the vows that we made when we were married, you know, the traditional ones are, you know, for rich or poor, bitter or worse, you know, sickness and in hell to death, there was part. It's one of those things where it's like, well, mental illness is not insignificant. Um, it's important. Mental health, physical health is important, but if you have to deal with a physical illness or a mental illness, I, I no, I'm in it for the long haul. And so, okay, what do we need? You know, what do we need to figure out together? And what do you need to figure out on your own? And I, I figure out on my own to to live with this, you know, new understanding. And yeah, if it is a lifelong, okay, well, we find a new normal and we go from right. there. So what kind of support have you found the most helpful or what kind of support do you need that you don't have? Um, it was, as I mentioned early on, it was very important to have a couple of close friends to be able to vent to, to be able to, you know, cry upon their shoulder, either physically or, you know, over the phone or, you know, and just to share the frustration, hurt, pain, the um, lack of understanding of what all was going on. Um, it was definitely helpful to have professional help with, you know, not only a counselor that you and I had been seeing, but a separate counselor I had for my own. And that was something that was, you know, talked about, um, even before, you know, the, your, your breakdown came to, you know, it's hilt or apex, you know, in, in September and that day, the year, it was good to be able to have someone to talk separately to about, you know, perspective. Um, so that, that was important. Um, there was also some online resources, um, on, um, partners for, childhood abuse survivors. Um, and I found uh, one or two different forums. And then I found a Facebook private Facebook page that, uh, you know, that has been really helpful. And again, that's a place where sometimes you need people 
you need a place to vent with people that have an understanding because right. I think that, that's one thing where for, for people that are, are dealing with complex PTSD, that's not everybody. So, you know, unless you have somebody else who is going through a similar experience, you may not get a, a true understanding from somebody who wants to, you know, listen and, and be able to, but um, it, it's, it's really helpful to be able to commiserate with somebody that's going through the same and to be able to share joys, you know, and, and positives, you know, when, you know, when that happens as well. But that, that's the one thing I think is probably the, the biggest need for is more resources for partners and spouses of those that are dealing with, you know, childhood trauma, complex PTSD, um, and, and other, well, and other mental health, you know, the, your other diagnoses, it's all, it's all important to be able to have resources where you can learn more, educate yourself and find out how you can be the best supportive spouse you can. I'm curious, was, um, were those online resources, was that with the out of the darkness and out of the fog? That was, that was a couple of them. Um, but there was, those are websites. Yeah. Yeah. Those are websites. Um, okay. Just a second. I have to look because actually still, I think have it. It's been a while. There's, there's one I've been on that I haven't been to in a while because it frankly got very depressing. Um, there was a lot where it seemed like those relationships ended in separation and divorce. And, and that I think comes from, well, in part of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you have to give space to your partner and, you know, there might come a point where it's like, okay, that, that space doesn't allow them to continue. And that, that was something that I kind of found depressing. I can't think of what the name of that website is um well if it was, it was depressing we probably don't want to yeah, share yeah, it. yeah probably not <laughs> probably not um but um there is there is uh um and i found i don't remember how i found her originally but um a, a gal by the name of heather tuba um i think it ended up being she was a part of uh YouTube interview that somebody was doing on complex PTSD and specifically about being the spouse of complex PTSD. Um, but she ended up starting this private Facebook group for survivors of uh, partners with survivors of complex PTSD. And then she is actually, she's been working on this for the last number of years because her, her partner has gone through a lot and they live up in Canada and, but she's actually, um, working towards doing uh, what she can from a professional standpoint to be able to work with others too. So, and what was um, her name? Heather Tuba. Um, let me. I know I follow her on Instagram. She actually has stepped away from the group that she had started just because she didn't have the time to admin as she used to. But. So on Instagram, yeah, it's Heather Tuba, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-T-U-B-A. Writer, educator, researcher, loved ones of persons of complex PTSD are my specialty. So, but really, really helpful information to share. And not only from the, again, 
um, standpoint of being able to be a support for your spouse, but also for self-care because self-care is really important um, for uh, you know a partner that has a partner that's you know, working through mental health issues like this because um, it, it, it can be lonely. I, I'm sure it can be lonely for you at times. Yeah. So do you find that having these tools of diagnosis and all these other resources that we've talked about, do you find those um, confusing or do you find them hopeful? Are um, they overwhelming or are they, are they hopeful? They, there might've been some aspects of overwhelmingness. Is that a word? Uh, early on again. And that, that also, just because of finding out so much so quickly and where do you go from here? But I find that these resources, especially as you, you know, maybe get further away from the apex crisis moment, I guess it's kind of, you know, what comes to my mind be just because it, the further away from you get from that, the more time you have to process and then to have this information that you find, whether it's in books or on forums or through conversation, to help give you a perspective and understanding, it's, it, it provides a lot of hope. So does it provide clarity for you then? It does. I think it does, yeah. Good. So I just want to touch on real quick uh, before we end. Um, I'm curious what uh i think i know the answer to this one by the way um but what um part does your faith play in how you understand our past and our future well i think uh my faith um, i would like to think is an integral part of who i am as a person and how i live it out um with the understanding that you know, we are broken human beings that without um, without a relationship with God that we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna make it well I guess that I shouldn't say that but that relationship with God is important to have um, the ability to then have a relationship with others um, right. to be able to um, have an understanding that I need to love God and love others and hopefully live out the fruits of the spirit in my daily life. Um, not only with you, but with our kids and with my coworkers and family and friends. Um, it's, it's something that, makes me strive to want to be a better person and a better husband and a better father and better yeah. friend. So I just thought of another question that I'm going to tack on the end here. Okay. That was um, kind of meandering, sorry. No, that's okay. So how do you think our children have come to understand um, mental health and mental illness and uh, our, that role in our lives? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. Maybe um, I'd have to ask them. Yeah. I, you, it would be interesting to get their perspective on things. You know, I, um, they obviously each had to process, you know, what was going on when you were away for nine weeks, 
you know, and how that affected them. And I mean, we saw each one of them was affected in, in various ways, you know, not only in the short run, but, you know, as you were back, it, it took a while for you to be able to you know, leave the house and be able to function. To, to function. Yeah. And so I'm sure there were questions and I, I would hope, and I, I want to say, um, I thought from the very beginning that once you went inpatient and, you know, the, the, the letters that you would write home to the kids, um, I thought you did a fantastic job of just trying to explain what was going on and what you were dealing with and, you know, how this was playing out and how it should play out for them. Um, and then I think you've been good about you know, trying to be open with them on where you are and, and how things affect you and how you're working through things. And I think you've set a, a fantastic example for them of, Hey, mental illness is dealing with your mental health and your mental health is vitally important to who you mm -hmm. are and your overall health. And you know, here you are five years later and you're still seeing your therapist twice a week. And, you know, and I, that's fantastic because you, you know, you have healing to do and, and for me, you know, I, my schedule now, I don't have as regular time to schedule out with meeting with, you know, the council that I've seen in the last number of years, but um, it is good to be able to, for everybody to have that professional help when you need it and to definitely have a few close friends that can be a support. But there are times where close friends and family they aren't the support that you need. And so then you need to make sure that you have a right. professional to help out with that. And so I, I would like to think that the kids have been able to see that. I guess that's probably the biggest thing for me overall as a father is that I hope that they have seen through my actions, hopefully a decent way to, to live and to strive after things. Yeah. Well, you do a you do a good job at setting a setting an excellent example for them. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I hope they uh, don't get really tired of my voice, seeing as how they hear it brief. Well, that's only briefly at the beginning of the end. So. Well, you are the voice. Well, no, you are the voice. I'm just the, <laughs> the intro guy. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts and I appreciate you and I love you. I love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Post-Traumatic Faith Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts today. You can follow Jill on social media on Facebook and Instagram, JillReilly.Author, and Twitter, JillReillyAuthor. To contact Jill, email jill at jillreilly.org.